0: What's up, church? How are you guys doing? How was your uh, week at work? Uh, <laughs> a little less. Uh, you know, all right. How was your week at work? Okay, all right. You don't have to lie to me, just, uh, you know, whatever. All right. Hey, uh, today we're going to be continuing on in our series called Don't Waste Your Work. And I get it. Some of us, some people just hate Work, right, or the job, or whatever you do, you're just like I don't know. This is just not what I want to do for the rest of my life, I, I, you know I can't wait to get out of here. I gotta, you know, come up with a plan for something else. And you just, the honest truth is, you just, you just dread work, right? You dread your job. You don't want to be thinking about tomorrow. You know, this is the weekend, and you're at church, and you know oh, I don't want to think about tomorrow morning where I gotta drag myself out of bed. You know, there, there's people like that. You know, some of you guys in this room, right? Like this is, we've all been there before. Okay, we've all had a job that we uh, that we didn't enjoy going to, but what we found out last week when we started this series, kind of the foundational principle, is that work is good. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Thank you, all three of you that wanted to say that. Work is good. All right, it's good. Remember? Uh, do you remember? Okay. All right. Work is good for us. We were literally created for work. Right? It's not like God came to uh, Adam some you know one day and was like, "Oh, you've you know you've I'm so disappointed. in You here's here's your consequence. Now you're gonna have to work." That's not how it was. Right. God comes to Adam. He's like, Adam, guess what? I have work for you to do. All right. This was before sin. This was before anything. I mean, God created us to work, and we looked at that last week, and we also looked at last week that not only were we created to work, and not only should we work, but we were created to work hard. In fact, Christians should be the hardest working people in the workplace. Now, let me clarify a couple things uh, about that statement right there. We are supposed to be the hardest working people in the workplace. Uh, what I do not mean is that we necessarily have to be the most skilled or the most talented or the most intelligent people in the workplace. Okay, some of that stuff, all right, I get that we can't control. Although, let me push back on that for just one second. Although, all right, I think some of those things like skill is stuff that we can work on, like we can get better at, okay, and we should be trying to get better at those things. Right? But I'm not saying we're going to be the most talented person in the workplace. I'm saying hardest working. Right? Now let me clear one more thing up. When I say hardest working, what I'm not saying is that God expects us to spend necessarily more time at work. But one thing, some of us should spend more time at work because we're the type of people we get to work late and we, and we cut out early. Okay? That's not good. All right. Some of us, you know, we should be working for the amount of time that we are allotted to, to work. And uh, But when I say hard working, what I'm saying is, all right, during that time that we are working, we should be working hard. Not saying you have to go home and go, oh, I got to work on set. No, that's not what I'm saying. While you are working, we are to work hard. Meaning, um, if you work at a manufacturing plant, okay, you should be the hardest working employee at that plant, okay, because you're a Christian. This is for Christians, all right? If you are, you know, in the office, you should be the hardest working person in the office. On the job site, you should be the hardest working person on the job site. If you're a teacher, you should be the hardest working teacher in your district, and it should show up. And if you don't have a job, you're off the hook. Just kidding. (laughs) All right. Um, but, uh, but if you're a student in here, you're like, well, I don't have a job, so how does this, how does this really you know, apply to me? If you're a student, your schoolwork is your work, all right? If you uh, don't have a job, but you stay home and you take care of the kids and the family and all that stuff, all right, we totally understand that's your work. If you're retired, you've put in, you've put in a bunch of years of work, but you still shouldn't be sitting around doing nothing, right? Like, we understand this. Whatever you do with your time that's, that's productive, okay, that's your work, so this really, this idea of work and this whole series, it applies to every single person in here because we all were created to work. We we're all created to work hard. Now, when we think about work, all right, a lot of us, most of us, we, you know, we think about what we do or who we are or how much you know, money we make or, or where the job is going to take us. Or maybe more than anything, probably most of us, we think, what are we working for? Okay, what are we working for? And probably, if we were to get down deep, probably most of us were working more, for, more than just for the check, right? I mean, there's, there's more involved with that. I mean, some of it's status, uh, respect, Maybe it's just to prove something to somebody that said you couldn't make it this far or do this. Or or maybe it's some lifestyle, you know, that you're like, you know, I want, I want this certain standard of lifestyle. Or maybe it's the it's the American dream, right? The American dream where you graduate high school, you go to college, or a lot of people, they go to college. And, you know, then you get, get a bunch of debt. And then you go get a job. And you start paying off that debt. You get married. You have your 2.5 kids. You have your house with your picket fence. You know, everything's good. Like, like, that's the American dream that you have. And then you Work, 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 until someday you get to retire from working, right? And you're like, oh, I cannot wait for that day, right, retirement. And what we end up doing is we spend a third of our life working so that someday we can stop working and we can enjoy our stuff for a few years. But when we do that, right, when that's our motivation, right, and that's why we work, when we do that, we've wasted a third of our life. In the meantime, while we work, 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 so we don't have to work. We're, we're wasting a third of our life. And as Christians, there's really another layer there. And that's that no matter what you do, all right, focus in here, no matter what you do, your work matters to God. All right? No matter what you do, your work matters to God. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, Saving lives at the hospital, or if you're, you know, screwing a screw into, you know, to a piece of metal—it doesn't matter what you do. All right, your work matters to God. And we usually don't associate uh, God with work. In fact, a lot of us, what we end up doing is uh, we put work, or we put, um, we have different aspects of our life. We talked about last week, right? We, we use the bricks. Whoa, we use the bricks where we divided up our time, our work week, into three different segments. You know, one-third was sleep, one-third was work, one-third was everything else. Um, let's throw out sleep, okay? Let's only talk about waking hours today. But uh, what a lot of us do, all right? we have our work bucket in our life, right? We put all our stuff all in about work there, and then we have our other bucket, which is really everything else, but everything else doesn't fit on the bucket. Okay, so we got the word other, all right, but this is everything else. So, all right, we have these two different aspects of our life. We got a professional life. Right, and we got our personal life. Now, professional life, this is our, this is our you know, driving to work and, and all the meetings that we have. Our professional relationships are in here. Um, you know, the contracts that we write up, just all this, you know, all this stuff. Um, goes, into, goes into our work, and then uh, maybe you go back to school or whatever, that goes in there. And uh, all the time that that entails, which is about a half of our waking time, and then every, everything else, this is like our playtime, right? And family time and, and church, you know, just all kinds of stuff that we have. Uh, so we got these two aspects of our life, two kind of buckets of our life that we pour our lives into. But what a lot of us, not everybody in this room, but a lot of us, what happens is we became a Christian. And all of a sudden, we got a brand new Jesus bucket. We're like, sweet, all right? And he kind of wedges himself in there. Now you got, now you got work. You got Jesus, and you got everything else, and we're pouring all this stuff. This is church. We pour church in here. Maybe we do something really nice for somebody, like, like nicer than we normally are. You know, we're like, ah, oh, I did that for Jesus. You know, hey, you see that? You know, we throw that in there, and, uh, and then we, if we pray, you know, sometimes we pray. It's like, well, I'll throw that in my Jesus bucket. We start filling our Jesus bucket up. We fill up our everything else bucket up, and we fill up our work bucket up, and we got our, our personal life, which encompasses these two. We got our professional life, and we think we're pretty good. All right, we don't, like to, we don't like to combine our professional life and our personal life, and we usually don't associate God with work, because those are like two different aspects of our life that don't have anything really to do with each other in our opinion. It's almost like we think like God doesn't have an opinion. But he does. He has an opinion on our professional life and our personal life, right, and how they relate to each other. And so that's what we're gonna be talking about today. Now, we are going to be looking in the book of Colossians, which is just a letter that Paul writes to the Colossian church. And uh, and he really gives a lot of instructions on how to live a life and what to do and what how Christians should, should act in life. Uh, he talks about husbands and wives and how they should relate to each other. Then he talks about parents and children and how they should relate to each other. Just really good stuff. And then he even talks about slaves and masters and how they should relate to each other. And by the way, he's not condoning slavery by any means. What Paul completely understands is that the Colossian church had a bunch of slaves within that church, right? And back then, slave wasn't a race thing. It was more of a class thing. And so Paul, he's giving them practical advice, right, to really to a people that uh, just principles on how to work even if you can't control your circumstances, which is what was happening in that, that, you know, uh, culture back then. So Colossians chapter 2. Uh, Colossians chapter 3 verse 22 says, he says, starts off, he says, don't work, all right, keyword there, work, is what we're talking about, remember, okay, all right, don't work only while being washed as people pleasers. Now, you guys know people like this? Isn't it kind of funny that here's Paul, all right, he's talking to a people, I mean, this was written like 2,000 years ago, right, and it still applies to us today? Like, we as people haven't changed, you know what I mean? Okay, um, the, uh, we all know people like this, right? Does somebody come to mind when you think, oh, somebody who only works when the boss is watching? Okay, some of us a little bit. Okay, have we ever done that before, us, ourselves? Yeah, yeah. We, no one wants to say anything, but there's a little rumble throughout the crowd, so I know. that's a say, yeah, okay. Okay. Um, but uh, every single one of us have done this, where we're doing something, maybe we're talking to somebody, and then the boss walks in, and we're like, oh, we're not talking, we're working. You know, you go, all of a sudden you're really, you're really busy. It's just some people do that a lot more than others, which is annoying. Um, but, uh, but what Paul's saying here is he saying, hey, don't work for people's approval, okay? That's not why you work. That's not what, as Christians, what we're all about. We're not supposed to be working as people pleasers. That's not why a Christian works. And some of you guys, you're looking at this, and you're like, okay, well, so I'm not working for my boss's approval? Okay, that sounds pretty good. All right, I, kind of, I like this verse. What, where's this at again? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remember this. Like, who cares what the boss thinks? He's a jerk anyway, right? Like, I can't stand him. I I like what Paul's saying here, but that's not exactly what Paul's saying. See, he's saying, no, 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 we have a much bigger motivation as Christians. See, most people, why why do they work? Why do we please the boss, right? Well, because we want someday, we want him to promote us, right? We want him to make our job easier, right? We want him to, to, you know, give us a raise or, or something like that. Paul's like, yeah, 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 that's all good stuff. I'm not saying that's wrong, but that's not why we work, not as Christians, that's not our motivation. He says, don't work only while being watched as people pleasers, but work wholeheartedly, fearing the Lord. He's saying the word wholeheartedly, it's with all your heart, right? He says, work with all your heart, like with everything you got. Put it all on the line when you're at. Work, right? When you're doing whatever, whatever you're doing. Because our motivation, he says, is the Lord. That's our motivation. Right? That's why we work. He actually clears this idea up a little bit in the next verse, in verse 23. He says, whatever you do. Now, let me stop right there for a second. I love this phrase, all right? whatever you do. All right? Because I totally understand that there are people out there where you're looking at me up here and you're like, Shh, what's this kid know? All right? I've worked longer than he's been alive. All right? and That's probably true. Um, for some people. You know, I really don't understand how a pastor can give me advice on my job. He doesn't understand. He doesn't know what it's like to do what I do and to work with the people that I work with. He just doesn't understand. Or what some people are rationalizing in their mind, because I've, I've been there. I've sat in the seats where you guys are sitting. I know how this is. Right? What we are doing, what a lot of people do, is they, they are trying to figure out ways. Our, your, you're trying to figure out ways your current situation doesn't quite fit with what Paul's talking about, right? We do that a lot in church. Every Sunday, you know, it's just, uh, my, my situation is a little different. It's a little more complicated than what Paul's saying here. No, you don't get an exemption here. Like, think of your best excuse that you got about why this, all right, that we're going to be looking at and, and working hard and all that kind of stuff, why this doesn't apply to you. Like, like come up, like right now, come up with your best, best excuse or whatever you got. This right here, whatever you do. Paul takes your best excuse, and he kills it, all right? So what he does. He says it doesn't matter what you do, all right? This is an excuse killer right here. It doesn't matter what you do, all right? It, it, it doesn't matter. God doesn't care as much about the job that you have, but more about the job that you do with the job that you have, all right? It's not about where we work or what we do. It's not what matters. What matters is why we work and how we do it. So he says, whatever you do, whatever that is, wherever you work, he says it doesn't matter. Do it from the heart. Here he is. He's repeating what he just said in the last verse. He said, "Do it." He's saying, "Do it from the part from the heart." Meaning, have some passion for what you're doing. Like, have some passion, right? Care. See, we as Christians are not to mindlessly be doing something that we hate, all right? That's not what we're called to do. That's not what we're supposed to be doing, all right? We're not supposed to ever do anything half-hearted, all right? That's, that's not how we work, Right? That's not how we're supposed to work. That's not what God calls us to do. What he's saying is, he's saying, hey, you need to work and whatever you're working in, working, doing. You need to be invested into it. Like you need to have some heart in there. You need to have some some passion. Actually, this word heart, it can also be translated as soul. He's like, put your soul into it, people. As Christians, we need to have passion and care for what we do. Now, when was the last time you went to work? For a whole day, right? And had some and had worked with all your heart. We don't do that, right? Right, or maybe sometimes we're excited about something, and so yeah, then we're working with our heart. But but most of the time, like we don't go into work going, you know, eh, I'm gonna, you know, I'm, I can't wait to work with all my heart and all my pet. Like, we, we put it all out there. Like we we don't do that. So God's telling us today, no, 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 that's this is standard as Christians. That's how we are to work. That's what makes us the hardest worker at our workplace. So that's how we work. And then he explains why we work, right? He says, whatever you do, doesn't matter. Do it from the heart, all right? Put some passion into it. Put your soul into it as something done for the Lord and not for people. All right, so here... He's saying, hey, we don't work for those things that normal people work for, right? As Christians, we don't work for status and respect or to prove something to somebody that that they're wrong and I could do it or or for you know to, to achieve our lifestyle or or for the American dream, whatever that might be in our minds. Like that's not why, that's not why we work, not as Christians. We don't work for that kind of stuff. We don't work for ourselves. Technically, what he's saying is we don't work for our boss. It is so much more than that. He's saying every day when you go to work or whatever, again, whatever you do, he's saying, no, you work for God. You don't work for your boss. Don't, don't view it like that. View it as you work for God. Like God's your boss. Like God's your manager. He's your supervisor. Now, some of you guys are like, I wish God was my boss. In fact, you know, it's like, uh, it's like it wouldn't hurt for my boss to be a little more God-like. You know, just a little bit. It wouldn't, it wouldn't hurt. Have you ever had a bad boss, manager, supervisor at any kind of job before? Yeah. Blaine, don't don't look at me like that, Blaine. <laughs> but, hey, we'll talk about that later. All right. Are they here in this room? No, don't point them out. Okay. Um, ever had a bad boss or manager? I mean, uh, I, I, I get it, right? I've been there. Um, you know, I've had the different times in my life I've had the same scenario where, you know, sometimes you're just like, my, my, my boss <laughs> doesn't know what he, he or she is doing. You know, you're just like, what is going on? Or it's just that they don't care. Like I think sometimes that's just the problem. The boss is just like, whatever. I don't care. You know, and that's not that's not good for a manager, right? Or maybe your boss is terrible at resolving conflict that's in the workplace. Or maybe, just maybe your manager is the one who causes the conflict in the worst in the in the workplace. Does that ever happen? All right? Yeah, okay. Um, or maybe you think they're too demanding. Or maybe you're like, you're like, you know, they're not giving you the promotion that you feel like you rightfully deserve. Or they're not giving you the raise that you have worked hard for in your own mind. And, and so you're going, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I hear what you're saying, Zach. I'd love to work for God because he's loving and forgiving and stuff. Yeah, but he's also the most demanding boss in the world. We get that? He's the most demanding boss in the world. You know why? Because God demands, he doesn't ask, he demands from us perfection. Now he forgives us when we don't give it, because none of us do. But that's what he demands. He demands that we work for him, and he demands perfection. That's who Paul's trying to get us to understand. Paul's saying, that's who you work for. That's who we work for. Paul, he actually finishes the thought in verse 24. He says, so we do all this knowing that you will receive the reward of an inheritance from the Lord. And then he says this, just in case they didn't get it for the first two times that he says it. He's like, guys, listen, you serve the Lord Christ. He's saying you serve the Lord. Right? It's God. It's God. Okay, that's that's who that's who we serve, right? That that's what we that's what we do. See, we work from the heart because we work for God, knowing that someday we will be rewarded for for the work that we've done. Now, you know what that reward is? It's the gospel. All right, which just, which just means good news, all right? Churchy word for For good news, basically, our reward is that two thousand years ago, God Himself came down onto this, onto the in the dirt, born in the dirt in a barn of the you know here on Earth. He lived a perfect life, and then we ended up putting Him to death in a horrible way—a death on a cross—and He willingly did that for us because every single one of us were in trouble because we are horrible, terrible sinners, including myself. I mean, we're all in the same boat here. He paid that price for us. Why do you have to do that? Why can't he just forgive? Because a perfectly righteous being cannot just sweep it under the rug. can't do that. It has to be paid for. The right thing is for it to be paid for. And he paid our penalty, our punishment. God poured out his wrath on himself so that we don't have to. And so for us as Christians, right, those of us who are Christians in here, instead of us going to hell and paying for all the things that we've ever done wrong, which sounds Horrible, okay? Right. God says, hey, you don't have to do that. But it's even better than that. Not only do we not have to go to hell and pay for everything that we've ever done wrong, we get to spend eternity with him, our creator, who he, a being who wants a relationship with us. We get to spend eternity with him in heaven. So it's even better. It's this huge reward that none of us can even understand how awesome and great and how giving that is. And so what better motivation is Is there, this is what Paul is trying to point out to us. He's saying it's not that we work hard so we don't have to go to hell, okay? That's not why we work, right? We don't go to heaven because of all of our good work, right? It's that God has saved us from hell, those of us who are Christian. We've chosen that relationship with God. And so we want to work hard for him. It's already happened. That's why we work. It really changes our perspective and our mindset of work. And when we quit working for ourselves, and when we start working for God, dude, it it changes everything. I mean, it changes, it changes our life. It, it changes everything. See, we should go to work with passion, and we should work hard to be the best that we possibly can. And, and, and we should want to. Right? We aren't just working for the paycheck anymore. In reality, we're working to do what God has told us to do, which is to tell others about Jesus. Like, that is our central thing. That's exactly what, that, that's the mission that God has given every single Christian in this room that, hey, you guys are to tell other people who don't know Jesus that they can actually be forgiven. That's why we work, and our job becomes a place to do our work. All right, so why do we work hard? We don't work hard for the paycheck. We don't work hard to get that promotion. We don't work hard to accomplish the American dream or whatever that might be. No, no, he's saying we work hard so that people will notice, so that in reality that will point people, our hard work will point people to God who can save them. Our job becomes a place to do our work. And our work is to do whatever we possibly can to reach as many people as we possibly can to Jesus for Jesus before we, before we die, before our time's up. That's what we're supposed to be all about, especially especially in the workplace. And I can't think of a better example of this than uh, than a lady who goes to our church. Her name's Kathy. I'll let her kind of tell how she uses the workplace to reach people.
1: My name's Kathy McAllister. I've worked at Camp Plastics since October of 1992 as a temporary employee. I got hired in in June of 93, um, and in August of 2002, I was offered a job in the office. They, the office manager quit, and they wanted someone in the office. And I think they figured out I could talk. So they brought me in the office. There have been temps that have come in. Uh, one girl, she kept telling me, you remind me of my grandma. You talk about Jesus. You remind me of my grandma. And oh, she had such a rough life, but I loved her. So I do try and talk to people about Jesus. Brian Smith, he would ask me questions. He knew I was a believer, I was kind of verbal. And he would ask me questions like, who did Adam and Eve's kids marry? And um, what about the dinosaurs? As time went by, we would have conversations. He was honest, always honest, very candid. He got married young. He kind of had a plan, I think, and it wasn't going as planned. And he um, ended up coming to faith in Christ. I've got customers that I've been able to talk about Jesus with. And if you're a believer, you have something to offer above and beyond the norm. And people are going to, God's going to put people in your life that none of it is by accident. And we all started at the same place without him. You know, we need to know that there are people out there that, like me at 32, said, why didn't someone tell me this before? Especially now, people, they have to be confused and frightened and any stability that you have in your life is going to show up. It's going to show.
0: There's one quote in there, something that Kathy says in there that, that I just love. She says, if you're a believer, you have something to offer above and beyond the norm. That's what Paul's saying. All right? We have something to offer above and beyond the norm. There's something different about us, a good thing that's different about us. We, we should stick out at work. Later on, uh, this was this week. We were talking to Kathy, and she was talking about her boss, who's the owner um, of where she works, and um, the owner. She, she was having, or she was struggling to have a baby, and and she was explaining how she was able to show God's love through praying for her. Check this clip out real quick.
1: One year we were going to Founders Week, and I said, "Well, I'll be praying for you." I remember sending her a note from Chicago, telling her, "I'm praying for you now," and after several failures of whatever wasn't working, the fall of 97, she said, I just want you to know that God has answered your prayer. I'm pregnant. And she to this day says that God answered your prayer. I remember when she had him and I was so uh, invested in that through prayer that when they i didn't know them all that well now this was 98 so i'd been there about five years but still i didn't know them that well and they um were at the hospital and i thought i'm not sure if this is right but i'm going i just went to the hospital and saw them (laughs) right after the baby was born she was like just delivered her mom and dad were there and but it it was a really Kind of a powerful answer to prayer. One thing that happened is that I made a bargain with God that if I said, Lord, if you'll just let her have a child, I will talk to them about Jesus. Never do that. I said, Lord, I'll, I'll share my testimony and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll I'll do it, if you please give her a child. So then, here I said that to the Lord, I made that promise, and I'm like, I went out to my car to eat lunch one day, and, I, and I'm really sidestepping and shuffling like I'm knowing I gotta do this now. And I said, Lord, you know, they're just home from the hospital, I, I'm really rationalized. I said, if, if um, I know I'll talk to them at some point, and, I, and I'll share my faith with them then, But I said, you know, and then I, I said, well, Lord, if, if she invites me over, if she, which I never thought they would do, she walked out to my car that day and said, why don't you come over this weekend and see the baby? So I really had to, and I did, I boldly shared my faith. I said, I said, I just, I gave him a a book about the gospel of John and I said, um, this is where my hope is. It is in Jesus. When I pray, it is not to some Santa Claus in the sky. It is to the living God who I believe really wants the best for us.
0: So what someone like Kathy understands, okay, <laughs> what somebody like Kathy understands is that uh, our lives aren't in separate buckets. Right, we shouldn't be putting, you know, all work stuff, all, all Jesus stuff, all, all everything else stuff. It all shouldn't, no, Kathy, what she understands is that it's all one bucket, right? It's all in the Jesus bucket, okay? Everything should be about our mission and our job and how we work for, for Jesus, right? We, we don't have a professional life and a personal life. No, we just have a life. That's all we got. And when we get that, and when we finally understand, when we, when we live our life through this lens and when we gain this perspective, all of a sudden our life doesn't become all about us. All right, we work harder and, it, you know, we work harder and we, and we work with our heart and we work with passion uh, because we realize that it's not for us, it, it's for Him. And really that helps us unlock the desire to also be generous. All right, see, we as a, as a grace family here in Tiffin, like if we could just get this, if we could all be Kathy's in a sense, if we, could, if we could just understand this, man, man, God would use us in such incredible ways here in Tiffin and Seneca County. I mean, God has already used us, but God could do so much more if we just worked for him and kept him at the forefront of what we do every single day. Real quick, I just want to kind of pull aside, let's have a little, little chat real quick. Uh, just for those of us who call Grace our church home. If you're new this morning, I just talked to a, I did this first service and talked to a couple that this was their first time. I'm like, sorry, <laughs> you know, um, but, uh, but if you're new with us, we're glad that you're here. All right, we want you here. We want you to come all the way and we, you know, we got nothing to hide here. Um, but this, I'm only talking to for those of us who call Grace our church home, okay? Um, let me tell you this. It is an exciting time to be here. Okay, it's, it's exciting to be here at, at Grace every week. Every week we have people who are coming to check, out, check us out for the very first time. We come up with this, we have this list each and every week that, that of people that have said, hey, this was my first time here, I'm just checking it out, all right? And a lot of you guys, you, you've done that, okay, because that was you at one point. You guys remember the first Sunday here, all right? Maybe half of you guys were here, or maybe less than that, really. Um, a year and a half ago, all right? I remember the first Sunday, really the, the few months coming up to the first Sunday, Man, I had already um, basically stopped my my job where I was working before, and uh, and that had been given to somebody else. So it's not like I could go back to my job. It's kind of it's kind of risky, all right? For me, I'm, selfishly, I'm thinking, you know what, God, this is this Tiffany better work. You know what I mean? All right, otherwise, I'm gonna have to go look for a job or something. You know, I'm just like uh, like you know just. I was kind of worried about here and there, and you don't, you know, we're just trying this for the first time, so we had no idea what was going to happen. And uh, I remember the first Sunday driving here to Tiffin, down 101, and, um, and I remember begging God for 200 people hey, if we could just get our 200 people that are like our launch team people, the people that, that were already going to our church, that would, you know, from Tiffin, and that would actually, if they could just leave their home church and agree to doing that and come here to Tiffin, and they just do that, um, you know, I'd be so happy, God, with 200 people. If you could just help 200 people to be here. In that first week, we had 400. You know, twice as much of what God, <laughs> is what I asked God for. Like we outgrew our, Auditorium. We we outgrew our building the first Sunday. All right, not good planning on our part. Okay, maybe a little not as much faith as what as what we should have had. Um, But since because of that, we had to go immediately to two services. And I'm so glad we did that because our grand opening would would have been it would have been horrible if we hadn't done that. Um, But two services just gets us by for a while. See what I've noticed. As I've looked at other churches around, and not just around here, just other churches that we, you know, that we're affiliated with and stuff like that, but but what I've noticed is that a church that has been working hard for a while, so like us, I would say, the, those of you guys here at Grace, you're here every week, right? you, For the last year and a half, you've been inviting people, you've been living your life right, you know, you've been a good example, you've been working hard at your work, you've been serving here at church, and look around, like you've seen how God has used it. I mean, it, it's clear. And I think it's easy for us, including myself, to kind of feel accomplished and to almost feel done. You know, or to, maybe it's just, it's just kind of comfort. We get comfortable with, oh, yeah, God's doing all the work and I'm going to rest off. You know, I'm, or I'm going to take, take a little rest. Too many churches do that. And that's a big, big problem. Too many churches, what they end up doing when they see a little bit of success, when they see what God is doing, because it's not us, it's our work, but God's the one who's doing it. When they see that, they, took the, they take the foot off the gas pedal. That 's not what we can do, and we're getting to the point, even though we're just a year and a half in where it's time for all of us, including myself, to step up otherwise we're going to have you know we have some issues with our building when it comes to when it comes to growth right there's this rule that um, again, this is only for the church family but um but this, there's this rule that we kind of go by. I don't know where it came from or whatever, but it's just kind of the general rule of thumb for, for churches that is that when your auditorium is 80% full, all right, people will come. All right, new, and We're talking new people. They will come. They will walk in through the doors. They'll get the family all ready, you know, do all that work. They'll come to these doors. They'll, they'll walk in here, not be able to find a seat, and they'll just they'll leave. I haven't noticed that here in Tiffin yet. All right, but we have seen that happen in, in Fremont and some of our other campuses when we've hit that 80% mark. Now, here in Tiffin, we're at 80% basically every service. Technically, these side sections aren't even supposed to exist. Um, those we put in as extra uh, just because you know, we needed seats. But, uh, but yeah, we, we didn't plan big enough. And so here for our church family, man, we got some priorities that we got to take care of. And we got some priorities that we need to do that is going to cost money. Unfortunately, I wish it wasn't like that. But, the, but, that, but it, that's just how it is. All right? One is parking, okay? Okay. Um, it doesn't bother me that my family has to walk across the, you know, the dirt parking lot and get their shoes dirty and stuff like that. Um, but it does bother me when I see somebody new come in and they have to jump across the puddles and, you know, and, and, do, and, you know, and, and do that. Like the parking lot, that's our first, uh, that's our front door, right? That's the first thing that people see. It's the first thing that people walk over and the first area that people are at. Um, you know, and at first I thought, you know, no lines because our lines got shoveled off, you know, we all notice that. I was like, no lines, we got this. Like, we're smart people. But then I started looking. I go out there, you know, on a Sunday, and you would think that people could park in a, in a straight line, but it's like, it starts curving and stuff, you know. <laughs> um, but uh, I'm in that too, so I'm sorry. But, uh, but you know, we got some issues we got to take care of. As a church family, okay, we, we got to do this. So we got parking that we need to take care of. Um, we got uh, an auditorium. Again, this is in no particular order. We got children's. Uh, we need children's space. We need, a, we need a bigger auditorium, and we need adult class space, Right, that we don't, we don't even have one single room that we can really use for that on a Sunday morning. Right here, uh, for the last few months, we've been coming up kind of with a master plan that we'll share here uh, soon, but, uh, but we have 5.82 acres here that we, as a church family, have pooled our resources together to purchase, and we have a plan for every single square foot on, that, on the 5.82 acres, Okay. And what we're going to end up doing for the next year is we're really going to start pushing this, really, next February. But I want to see what Tiffin, our church family here, can do in the next 10 months. I mean, there's a possibility, it would be great if we could do a parking lot before winter, right? Before we plow and, you know, everything gets all messed up again. Um, but we need to wait till we have the money. And so uh, if you got a bulletin or a program today, if you noticed, which you guys have probably all looked at because... That's what you do during a message, you know, um, look at all your papers. <laughs> I get it. Uh, but uh, you probably looked at this, okay? This is, a, this is a Growing with Grace commitment card. We haven't really talked about Growing with Grace much. Growing with Grace is basically our fund that, that, um, that when we give to Growing with Grace, it, compl- it stays 100% in Tiffin, and it's used to advance the gospel here in Tiffin and Seneca County. Usually, all right, mostly uh, by working on, try- we're going to start, picking off some of these projects, parking, auditorium, children's, and uh, adult class space. we got some really cool ideas. we got some really good stuff. Um, and then this is a car that I want you guys to take home. Again, this is only for those who, are, who you call Grace Your Church home. If you're new, you could crumple it up, throw it away, all right? Um, this is not for you. But those of us who call Grace Our Church, home, I want you to take this home. I want you to talk to your spouse, all right? And I want you to talk to God and figure out how much more above what you already do that you could do, that you could give here to grace so that we can accomplish reaching more people in our community, so that we can reach even more people and that God can use, you know, really all these things are tools that God can use to reach people, um, those are our, our family and friends. And, uh, and that's what this is. Really what we want you to do is take this, you can rip it in half, in theory it rips, yeah it does, it rips in half, and uh, bring that in next week on how much you could, you think you can do in the next 10 months. And, uh, and really, all we're using this for is it just helps us plan. It helps us try to figure out what we can do first, okay? It's all just for planning. We're not going to hold you to it. We're not going to say, oh, uh, Zach Pinkerton, he gave, you know, $100 less. You know, we're not going to do that, okay? We're not going to keep track that way. Um, this is only for us and for planning. Now, I totally get, okay? I think there's this idea of some people in our church are like, oh, you know, here's the money thing. Um, they're asking for money, you know, this is for the, is for the rich people. I, no, it's not, okay? I think God has called us, right? First of all, God has called us all to work hard, but God has called us, if we're a Christian, every single one of us, we should probably be involved with this, those of us who are, again, part of our church family. doesn't matter how much you give or how little you give, that doesn't matter. We should all be invested in what God is doing here at Grace. And I guess some other people are going, well, you know, the church, this is what I, you know, I thought. It's a big organization, always trying to suck money from people. No, that's not right. All right. That's not what we're all about here. That's completely the wrong perspective. All we are here at Grace, here at our Tiffin campus, here in, in Tiffin, right, is that we are a church, a group of people that have a relationship with Jesus. And we come together and we pool our resources together to reach our community. That's what we do. And so if building, you know, if, if a building will help people find Jesus, we, we build it. Right? If it's a parking lot, will help people, you know, make it easier for people to find Jesus. We put in a parking lot. If working hard at our job helps people find Jesus, we work hard at our job. If it's having passion and working with heart, right, then we work with heart at our job. See, that's what Christians do because it's not about us. We're not doing this for us. We're doing it for the people who aren't in this building yet. See, we don't work for ourselves. That's a waste. That's a complete waste of our work. We work for God trying to reach people because that's what matters. It doesn't just matter for a couple years or so. No, no. That matters for eternity. And like I said two weeks ago, we, we have to understand that this generation of Christians, we are responsible for this generation of people. It's on us. so I encourage you, don't waste your work. Let's pray. God, we thank you for today, and, um, and we thank you for these words. God, not only have you designed us to work, and, and you have told us how we need to work hard, you tell us how to work. We work hard, and we need to work with our heart, put our soul into it. Because, God, we don't work for a person. We work for you. And that means something. God, we ask that you would help us to work hard. We ask that you'd help us to care about our work. And God, we ask that you'd help us to reach those around us who do not know you because it's the most important decision that anybody could ever make because eternity literally weighs in the balance and help us to understand how serious that is and help us to have some passion about it. God, we thank you for everything that you've given us Again, we thank you for this church family, this new church family that you have put together. Lord, we love it. We thank you in everything. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you would, uh, this week, take that card. All right, You can rip it in half. Bring the card back next week. You can throw it in the offering plate or you could take it to the information center and you could throw that in there. And again, that just helps us plan. And uh, man, we got some exciting things that is going to happen this next, within this next year here in Tiffin. And we got a lot of work that we got to do. And so uh, I'm excited and I hope you're pumped at least a little bit. Uh, but, uh, but we could go ahead and uh, we'll be dismissed.